All right, well, uh, this week is, is week four in a series that we've been calling uh, Behold. And uh, just to catch everybody, get everybody up to speed uh, one last time, uh, here's the big idea. The big idea is this, that as we behold the Lord, we are being changed. And the more we behold the Lord, the, 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 the more we are changed. And this principle comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. So we'll read the verse together in uh, this series one last time. We'll put it up on the screen for you here. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 18 says this, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being cha- transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And so this principle uh, that we get from this verse is that as we behold the Lord, we're, we're being transformed from one degree of glory to the next. And, and I don't have a, have a way of necessarily knowing for sure what degree of glory you're at, uh, but know this, that every degree is glory, even if it's glorious or if it's painful, there's glory in that because God is doing work and you are being transformed. And so um, I just hope that this series has been helpful for you in that. And uh, I, I pray that tonight we'll close it out strong with a good, good picture here. And so turn to John chapter 1. This is our primary text tonight. John chapter 1 is where we're going to be. And while you're turning there, um, as always, we have Bibles in the back on your way in. You can grab one of those. Or there's some, I think, floating around on, on the, uh, the pews here. And so you can feel free to grab one of those as well. But uh, John chapter 1. Week 1, we, uh, we kind of introduced this principle. Week 2, we saw that we are to... Behold his word, and we three behold his works, and then we close out tonight by seeing that we are to behold his his witnesses. We need to behold his his witnesses, and in all of it, we're beholding him because it's all his his word, his works, and his tonight his witnesses. And so I'll, I'll start by doing this. I'll start by confessing to you, and uh, I'll confess this that my name is Josh, and I am an infomercial aholic. Can I just say that? I'm an infomercial aholic. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I will, uh, I, I don't watch a lot of TV, but it seems like when I do watch TV, somehow I start flipping through the channels and I get sucked in to an infomercial. And the next thing I know, I just kind of snap out of it like I was in zombie mode. And my gosh, I've been watching an infomercial for 30 minutes straight. What, what is wrong with me? And, uh, you know, my, my wife, she can just come into the room, and I just immediately, I'm like, oh, gosh, what did I just do? Comes in the room, all she has to do is look at me and just say, really? <laughs> Are you seriously watching Billy Mays right now? Uh, rest in peace. I, it's, it's ridiculous, I know. I've, I've, only, um, I've, only, I've only actually ordered one thing one time, and I was trying to be sweet, right? Like it was this, it's so awful, it's not even cool. I bought this rubber cookware. <laughs> You've seen this stuff? In the con- it's rubber, and it's cookware. You're supposed to put rubber in an oven, and it's supposed to be incredible. And I bought it, and my, it came in the mail, and I was already the surpriser, and she almost divorced me. It was awful. What are, you, are you serious right now? You bought rubber cookware. And I don't, know if it's, I don't know if it's the passion, the intensity of these guys selling this stuff, but I'm a, I'm a complete sucker. It draws me in. Like the the gazelle guy, you know what I'm talking about? Gazelle elliptical machine. I mean, he's got a long, long blonde hair to his backside. He's got a baseball cap on with a ponytail. And then spandex. Long hair, cap, and spandex is a recipe for success and health. And so that guy is, uh, he's incredible. And um, how about uh, ShamWow guy? You know ShamWow, right? 
he's, he's good. He's very uh, excited about what he does. He still frosts the tips of his hair, which is awful. Um, and then, of course, there's uh, the Snuggly, which can I just say about the Snuggly? Um, you've been scammed, right? You just take your bathrobe, turn it around backwards, and stick your... It's a Snuggly. I mean, are they serious, right? <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? It's great. It's mind-boggling. Uh, it's just mind-boggling. Uh, I'm, flying, I'm flying to Virginia on, um, on Tuesday and uh, kind of doing some stuff in some classes there, talking about New England and Boston in particular. And um, you're going to have to pray for me because there's a lot of SkyMall magazines there. And those are basically the same thing. You know, if I had all the money in the world, I would probably buy almost everything. I mean, you could start in my front yard and there would be the plastic rock that covers up anything that's unsightly in your yard, like the electrical box, you know. You'd walk in and my doormat would be personalized, you know, the Wyatt family. Then you'd go into my bedroom and there would be the cat ramp that goes up, even though I don't have cats, but my kids would really like it, you know. I mean, it would be awful. I'm just really bad with that stuff. Um, I don't know. It, I'm just a sucker. My, here's my, my claim to fame, and then I'll get serious about Jesus. But my claim to fame is this. You're like, get to the good stuff. Uh, my claim to fame is that uh, I'm connected with an, a 1980s infomercial superstar, by the way. You, you remember the Floby? Does anybody know the Floby? It's an attachment you put on your vacuum cleaner, and it cuts and sucks your hair at the same time. And so if it's all the same length, you are money, right? And so my first haircut was done as a little boy. I don't know what my parents were thinking. My first haircut was done by the inventor of the Floby. I think what's most convincing for me about, this is bad, about the, about the infomercials is the before and after, right? You've seen the before and afters are always just unbelievable. You know, Richard pre-Bowflex, Richard after Bowflex. And, you know, I think what they probably do is they just take incredibly jacked guys, right? And they say, hey, will you just do like three on, on the Bowflex and just say that you're a Bowflex user and that works, right? And then they throw them on TV and before and after pictures are incredibly effective because it's proof, right? You've seen it. It's proof. This guy uses the Bowflex. And, and look, I mean, we're in a day and age where, you know, anything can be doctored up. We know that, right? Like, girls, you know, ladies, you got it. You're not going to look at People magazine and say that's how they look when they wake up in the morning. We got that, right? Anything can be, be doctored up. But tonight we're going to look at a guy who, who we do see a before and after and a, a really incredible uh, before and after in history uh, confirms it. Not three easy payments of 1995. It's free of charge. Jesus does a really, really cool work. And um, see, it's, it's important to know that as we uh, behold the Lord, one thing that we can behold, are, as we saw last week, Psalm 126, are the, are the works of the Lord. And, and one of the powerful works of the Lord, I think the, the most powerful work of the Lord is when we look at what he's done in lives. Maybe you can step up and say, look at my life, look what he's, he's done. And, and, and we see a before and after in a life here um, that, it, that is just, it's just incredible. So in, in John chapter 1, you know Peter. Peter, he's the one who walks on water. He becomes a, a leader of sorts among the apostles. Um, and, and, and what we get in John chapter 1 is when, when Peter first meets Jesus, and, and Jesus kind of gives us to Peter. He says, here's before and after, Peter. Here's what, what's going to happen, and it's free. And so John chapter 1, let's read uh, verse 35 through 39. 35 through 39. It says, the next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. 
Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And, and they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. And so they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. We'll stop there. So here's what we have. We have, we have two guys and these guys follow a teacher named John. Uh, John the, the baptizer. He wasn't denominationally affiliated. He was not John the Baptist. He was the baptizer, right? And so John the baptizer had been uh, preparing these two and other disciples of his um, as prophesied in Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. He'd been preparing them for the coming Messiah. And, 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 and John is helping these people get their hearts ready for the coming of the Messiah. He's baptizing them, uh, baptism of repentance, right? And uh, not, you know, symbolic of, of the death, burial, and resurrection. He's baptizing them, uh, baptism of repentance. And uh, he's preparing their hearts for Jesus. He's preparing their hearts for, the, as we know, Jesus is the sacrificial lamb uh, for our sins. He's very, it's beautifully symbolic how God throughout history has worked things such that, that the Jewish sacrificial system would point us to, to Jesus. And so after seeing Jesus walk by, John the baptizer says, this is the second time it actually happened again, uh, previous to this as well. The second time John the baptizer says, behold, the, the lamb of God. And so this is, a, this is a huge, huge statement because, one, he's pointing out how Jesus fulfills the, the Old Testament Jewish sacrificial system. And then, two, he points out that he is of God. I mean, this is just not some uh, other man. This is not some ordinary guy. He's saying he is, he is of God. And, 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 and what happens is, is uh, it's important to see that Jesus has been the teacher of, of these disciples, and they have been, uh, or, or John has been the teacher of these disciples, these, these two guys, and they have been uh, his disciples. But now, with these two guys, he says, behold, Jesus, behold, Jesus. And, 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 and it's so important to know that he, he just says, here's Jesus, and this is what it's all about. I just want to show you Jesus. You need to know that that, that that is one thing that we all, myself especially, uh, need to be always doing is just behold Jesus, pointing people to Jesus. Here's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Uh, a teacher of God's word is pointing you in the wrong direction if somehow it becomes about anything other than, than Jesus. If this becomes about anything other than Jesus, come together and fire me, right? It, it's always about Jesus, but, but sadly, our, our faith can easily and, and often become about things other than Jesus. As we, as we approach next week our, our one-year anniversary as, as a church, I'm just praying hard, just praying today, praying hard that this will never become about a personality on a stage, praying hard that this will never become about a church program that, that we love, about a building that we cherish, about the institution, God forbid, itself as, as it has for many of our friends in this neck of the world, uh, that it's always about Jesus. Jesus. It's about beholding Jesus. Every sermon should point you back to Jesus. Every testimony should say, I can't change myself. Jesus changed me, right? Every program to help you in your, your growth with Jesus. Every church must be centered on Jesus, not on the church, the institution, as many have gone astray uh, with that. And, and, and what happens when this happens is... is 
when Jesus becomes the focus centered, uh, a few things happen. First of all, you have unity amidst diversity. And so we can all look different. We can all uh, sound different, speak different languages, different parts of the world, different neighborhoods, different backgrounds, different struggles. But we can be unified because our eyes are all on one focused thing. It's like a good romance movie, right? I'm I'm going across country, but you look up at the moon, honey, and, and we'll be looking at the same thing, right? You know what I'm talking? I mean, we all get our eyes on on Jesus, and there's, there's unity in that. And then the other thing that happens is as we get our eyes on Jesus, when we get our eyes on greatness, we become transformed. So as a church, we're just going to be a band that just plays one song. Jesus, Jesus, behold Jesus. And, and I love, I love, I think it speaks volumes, the humility of, of John here. He's had this great, thriving ministry, but he knows it's never been about me. He's like, guys, behold Jesus. And what happens? He says, behold Jesus. The time has come. Behold the Lamb of God. And boom, they're off. We don't think they ever see each other again. They're, they're, they're gone. They're, they're off with Jesus. And it, it just clicks for these disciples. This is the one that we have been preparing for. And so it's the second time in two days that, that, that they hear John point out, behold, the, the Lamb of God. And they say, all right, click. Let's go. We're following him. And so they go to Jesus, and they start to follow him. He says, what do you want? And, and they say, show us where you're staying. And he says, come on. And, and, and you can see. And so they get to spend the day with Jesus. I don't know if that causes you to drool a little bit, but it does me. They get to spend the day with Jesus. I mean, how incredible is that? And it must have been a really incredible experience for these guys. Uh, let's read on, and, and we'll just kind of see the, a little bit of the experience. It must have been incredible. Look at verse 40 uh, through 42. It says, One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. So, so as John writes this, he's assuming, you know Simon Peter, right? You know Simon Peter. He says, Andrew, who is Simon Peter's brother. Verse 41. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He, he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, So you are Simon, the son of John? You shall be called Cephas which means Peter. We'll stop there. Now, we, we, we find out the name of one of these two disciples of John the baptizer. His name is, is Andrew. The other disciple is unnamed, but we can kind of put two and two together that he is John, the son of Zebedee, the author of this book. Not John the baptizer. John, the son of Zebedee, author of, uh, of this gospel. He's a very humble man, so he doesn't want to put his name in here, right? Elsewhere he says, the one who Jesus loved, right? He doesn't give his name, just a humble guy. So we have Andrew and probably John. And, and, and from what we read here, Andrew and, and John's day with Jesus must have just been incredible. So much so that, that now Andrew is convinced that, that Jesus is the, the Messiah. Notice this. Look at verse four, uh, 38. In verse 38, they call him rabbi, right? They, they call him rabbi, which John points out means teacher. John gives us these nice little parentheses in here uh, from time to time where there's these Jewish words that we might not understand because he, he's, he's, he's just making sure that non-Jewish readers get this, which I think is a good little side uh, principle that we can get. Be careful of your Christian language that nobody else has any idea what you're talking about, right? And so John is, is careful of that when writing this. So, so he puts these nice little parentheses. They, verse 38, they call him rabbi, which means teacher. So they're saying, Teacher, can we, can we follow you? And then in verse 41, though, they call him what? 
the Messiah, this, the, the Christ. So after their day with him, now they leave convinced he's the, he's the Christ. After spending the, the day, we're convinced he's the Messiah. He's the one we've been waiting for. So convinced that Andrew now is like, I have to get my brother. I've, I've got to get my, my brother, Simon Peter. And, and, and our series is, is called Behold. We're finishing it out this week. But, but, but understand that for a day, Jesus has engaged these guys, and they're just beholding him. And some of, some of us get engaged in front of the mirror. We're like, oh, yeah, looking good. And, and, and we've, we've learned through this series that, that we behold the Lord, his glory, as, as in a mirror, right? And, and so Jesus has engaged them. They're looking back at him for a day. And, and, and who knows what, what's going on throughout the course of the day. We could speculate he taught them some stuff just based on how he had later engaged with his disciples. He's teaching them. He's doing other ministry, and they're watching him. Uh, he, he's, he's praying. He's doing all kinds of things, and they're, they're seeing it for a, a day. They beheld him for a day, and they're just wowed. And they leave convinced this is the Messiah, the, the one we have been waiting for. He offers life and hope and, and future. And they leave convinced, so convinced that Andrew's like, I've got to get my brother, and he runs and he grabs Simon at the end of the day. He's like, Simon, I, I think we found the, ma- the Messiah. You have got to meet this guy. And, and I just pray that we would be that convinced. Can you imagine if we were that convinced that Jesus is a savior of the world and that people are lost without him and eternally hopeless without him, then we would be running and telling my brother, my mother, my father, my sister, my cousin, my neighbor, my, my co-worker, my friend, everybody. I, you've got to meet Jesus. I, I just can't help but tell you. I don't care if you think I'm cocoa for Cocoa Puffs, right? I, I, you, I'm convinced. And, and you might think I'm crazy, but I, I really believe this. I really believe this. And that was where Andrew was at. You've got to meet him. And so Andrew, it says, brings he brings Peter to Jesus. Now, this is cool. He brings Jesus, or Peter to Jesus. And look at John one uh, forty two. It says, he brings him to, to Jesus, and then Jesus looked at him. The, the King James Version uh, says, Jesus beheld him. And so, Andrew is told of John to behold the Lamb of God, behold Jesus. Andrew's with him for a day, he's changed. He goes and gets his brother and says, you got you to behold him, right? And when his brother comes to behold Jesus, now we see Jesus beholds him. And, and Jesus is looking at him. Remember that mirror, right? Second Corinthians chapter 3, as you look at him as though a mirror, he's, he's looking right back at you. He's reflecting something uh, back at you. James 1, 2 Corinthians 3. This, this word here that is translated Look, in, in the original language, means uh, not just look as in, you know, I just kind of look at the TV, I look at things. No, it, it's look as, as, as though he, he gazed intently at him. He looked into him with these discerning, careful eyes. And, and the only other time that we have this word for, for looked, where Jesus looks at someone like this, with this particular specific word, is actually in, in another uh, meeting between Jesus and this Simon Peter on the night of Jesus' arrest when Jesus tells his disciples, he says, guys, 
here's what's going to happen. Simon Peter has gone on to be a disciple, and he says, guys, here's what's going to happen. You're all going to bail on me. And what does Simon Peter say? Oh, no, Jesus. I don't know about these losers, but I am not going to, to bail on you. And, 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 and he, he is just adamant about that. But sure enough, Jesus tells him, no, you're, you, you will. You're going to deny me three times before the, the morning comes. And, and, and Peter just doesn't believe it. And, and sure enough, it says that Peter does, doesn't he? You know the story. Peter denies him three times. And on the third time, he denies Jesus so emphatically. It says he begins to curse as if he's to say something like, may God send me to hell if I ever even knew the man, right? And, and it says that the second that Peter said that, the second he said that, Jesus comes around a corner being ushered out of a trial, and he looks, there's that word again, he looks at Peter with that special kind of look, that look into him, discerning him, and it says that when Jesus looks at him like that, he remembers exactly what Jesus said would happen, maybe even just kind of a flash, like, wow, he just totally prophesied what I'm doing right now. I get that. And it says that Peter began to weep bitterly. He was was broken. This is what Jesus said would happen. And now here, back to the beginning, John chapter 1, verse 42, their initial meeting, Jesus looks at him. He he looks at him uh, with these discerning eyes, and he says, what does he say? He says, you are Simon, son of John. He says, you shall be called Cephas, translated Peter, uh, or rock. Now, now catch this. This is important. He says, you are Simon. Now, obviously, in those days, your name meant something, right? Preferably, your name meant something. And and in those days, Simon or Simeon in the Old Testament was connected with being uh, wishy-washy, right? Vacillating. Uh, instability. That was, that was Simon or, or Simeon. And, and by saying, you are Simon, right? right? What, well, here's what he's saying to him. He's saying, brother, you've got a name that fits you. He's like, yeah, right on. That works, man. Simon. That's, that's right. And if you know anything about Simon, it's totally true, isn't it? I mean, he was wishy-washy, right? Vacillating. Here's, here's Simon who, you know, is, is walking on water, a great faith, and then he's He's sinking, right? There's, there's Simon when, when Jesus says, who, who do they say that I am? He says, he says you are the, the Christ, the son of the living God, right? And then just like a few moments later, what is he doing? He's scolding Jesus for his plans, right? So it's just so wishy-washy. We even see right here the, the moment of, of Jesus' uh, trial when he's, he's loved Jesus and now he's, he's denying Jesus. He's just back and forth. And, and here in this moment, their initial meeting Jesus looks right into him. He looks at him. He says, I know you. He's like, I know you. And, and you got a name that fits. You're wishy-washy. You're up and down. You're undecided. You don't know what you're, you're living for. He says, but catch this. He says, but you shall be called Cephas. You shall be called rock, stability. And that's what Peter means. And, and Jesus is doing something really, really profound. He's pulling an infomercial, right? But with an emphatic guarantee. He's saying, this is you now. Absolutely. Can't deny it, right? This is who you're going to be. 
I guarantee it, right? This is who you're, you're going to be. He gives, he gives Simon this, this glimpse of the future in the middle of, of the presence. You know, the before and after shots, right? The, here's the flab and then here's the abs, right? Flabs and abs. And it's, it's crazy, you know? You have just impossible to six-pack, right? And, you know, we're in the day and age of Avatar in 3D, you know? So I'm thinking... Come on, seriously, if we, can, if we can make an avatar pop out of the screen, we can doctor up some abs, right? We can make flab look like ab. And so I'm, I'm highly skeptical of the before and after pictures. But, but for, for Peter, it has been proven true. Historically speaking, I mean, just tremendous stuff has happened uh, through this guy as a result of what God has done in, in this guy's life. He, he's, he's been known to be vacillating and wishy-washy, but he goes on to be bold. He goes on to be courageous and confident in Christ. In Acts chapter 4, uh, verse 13, look, look at what it says. Acts chapter 4, verse 13 says, um, this, is, this is Peter before a big council of Jewish leaders, and uh, God has, has filled him now with the Holy Spirit. Now watch all of this change as a result of him having been filled with the Holy Spirit. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So here's Peter, Simon, initially, right? Vacillating, wishy-washy, kind of a coward from time to time, denying Jesus. And now he's before all these incredibly intimidating men. I mean, this is like standing at, you know, at the Senate, right? And you're before all these powerful people and just boldness. He's confident. He's convinced and then they say, Who, are you serious? These guys are uneducated. These guys are fishermen. These guys are just commoners. And look at what they're talking. It's incredible. They must have been with this Jesus. And little did, little did Peter know here in this initial meeting in John chapter 1 just what Jesus was going to do with him. In fact, in, in his current condition, he probably couldn't, couldn't even fathom it, right? And I bet some of us are even there right now. Like we, in our current condition, we can't even fathom God doing powerful things to us. can't even fathom what would happen if the Holy Spirit got a hold of our hearts and stirred us and empowered us to, to, to even share with our neighbor, let alone uh, be used mightily of him in, in tremendous ways. We can't even fathom that in our, in our present condition. But, but God does it with Peter. I believe he can do incredible things with you and, and I too. And so I, I just want to plead with you. Please put yourself in Peter's shoes. Just put yourself in Peter's shoes and begin to, with, with eyes of faith, begin to see what Jesus can do. Right? See it and, 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 and believe it. Right? Here's what Jesus can do. He looks at Simon Peter and he says, you shall be called rock. And, and notice that we don't get anything else after that. Right? The, the dialogue this dialogue just stops right there. And it's just kind of crazy because it, it appears as though Simon didn't come back with anything. Like he was just speechless. And if you know Simon, he's never speechless, right? He is never speechless. He's your, your friend that can't stop talking, right? He, he's never speechless and he's just he's not saying anything. And I just, I just imagine him just in that moment. He's wishy-washy. He's all over the place, undecided. And Jesus says, you will be called Rock, Peter. Not Simon any longer, Peter. And can you just imagine him begin to fill up with hope? 
just, just began to fill up with, with, with promise. Jesus says, I know you. I really know you. And yet, even still, I'm going to do something with your life. And you're going to be stable. And eventually, uh, we're going to get beyond all this mess that you're in right now. And um, you're going to be marked with stability and power. You're going to become someone someone who makes much of, of me, right? I will, I will empower you. And I think it was probably at that moment that that's when Jesus really won his heart, right? At that moment, he, he said, I know you, and yet I'm going to use you. And, and I don't know where you're at tonight, but maybe that's you, right? In this moment, you're maybe hearing for the first time that Jesus knows you. He, he knows you, and yet he says, it's okay, I'm going to use you. I want you to look at me, and I'm going to look at you, and I want to communicate to you a vision for your, your life. I want you to look at the mirror of the Word, the mirror of the glory of God, the mirror of life change, and I want you to see that I'm reflecting that back to you, that I'm going to use you in some incredible ways, and, and I want you to hear that. I want you guys to be encouraged by that tonight, that he says, I know who you were designed to be. I know who you can be. If you would follow me. Think, think once again about that mirror. Second Corinthians 3, 18. If we behold him. Um, that word behold being a derivative of the, the Greek word for, for mirror. Some translations, not the one we're reading, but some translations even say behold him as in a mirror, right? And, and so here's Jesus, the, the mirror to be beheld, right? And he's engaging, he's engaging Peter as the mirror. And Peter looks at him and... And, and, and Jesus says, I'm your future. I'm your future. If you would follow me, if you would follow me, I'm your future. And it's going to be, it's going to be powerful. It's going to be powerful. I'm going to do great things in and in, in through you. And so I would call us all to, to look at Jesus as, as the mirror who speaks to us who you can be in him. Can I give us one more lame info, infomercial illustration? Can I do that? Um, last one, I promise. Uh, you always hear the infomercials sharing the secret to a body like his, right? The secret to a body like hers. Or, you know, the, the, the hair straightener commercials that have been so huge. You know, the, the secret to hair like that, you know, which, again, they take a beautiful girl and they give her a paperclip and put her hand in the light socket, you know, the, the paperclip in the socket and, let it go everywhere, and they take the, you know, they take the after picture, you know, before the before picture, and it's just, it's awful, right? But the, the secret to hair like this, right? The, the secret to rock hard abs, and, and, and Jesus is telling him, he's saying, Peter, I'm going to make you a rock. I'm going to make you a rock. And, and, and here's the secret, right? The Apostle Paul gives us the secret. Uh, he, he calls it the mystery. And in, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 26, we'll throw it up on the screen. Here's the secret. The secret to being spiritually strong, uh, to being ripped, to being buff, spiritually up to God's standard, up to God's glory. The secret is this. Colossians chapter 1, 26. It says, The mystery, hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to His saints... To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope 
of glory. And so the, the secret, the, the mystery to, to being what God is calling you to be, to, to being uh, what you maybe would never imagine you could possibly be uh, in terms of righteousness, in terms of uh, uh, boldness, in terms of uh, seeing life change happen. The secret is, it says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. I heard one pastor say, I thought this was awesome, he says, it's not Christ and you, it's Christ in you, Christ in you, the, the hope of glory. And, and we need to understand that, that spiritually, when we look at the, the mirror, you know, I go to the YMCA from time to time. I should go regularly. I'm paying a lot of money for that stinking membership. Oh, New Year's resolution out the window, right? And there, there's a few guys there that just love to stare at themselves and flex in the mirror. And it just reminds me that spiritually, we've got nothing to flex. Nothing to flex, right? Romans chapter 3.10 says, there is no one righteous. No, not one. Stand in front of the the spiritual mirror. There's no righteousness there. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 goes on. It says, all have sinned and fall short of the what? What do we fall short of? The glory of of God. God's standard. His his glory. We fall short of that. So we've got nothing to, to flex. Some of us maybe need to be reminded of that in this moment, that I don't, I don't know how good you are, I don't know how long you've been a Christian, but you've got nothing to flex. Just be reminded of that. Some of, for some of us, that's just what we need to hear alone tonight. You don't have it together in and of yourself, right? You've got nothing to flex. Others of us in here tonight, we know. Like, I know I've got nothing to flex. I got it. I, I know where I'm at right now. I am far from the Lord. I get it. Spiritually, Nothing. But the good news is that God is perfect, and along with his perfection is his perfect grace, his, his endless compassion, that he offers to us hope and a future in him. And, and, and though we've fallen short of God's what? Of his glory. The secret, the mystery is what? It's Christ in you, your hope of glory. So the hope for glory that we've fallen short of, it's Christ in us, the, the hope of glory, that, that Christ would implant his righteousness into your heart, into your life, and so that when you look at the mirror, you don't see all your failures and all your shortcomings, but what you see when you look at the spiritual mirror of God's word is initially you start to see, I've got nothing. You start to see your sin. This convicts. It cuts, right? But then once you give your life to Christ and he, his glory comes into your heart and he makes you righteous, you look at this and you start to see, wow. I am strong in the Lord. My, my hope is, is in what, what this tells me, that, that he fills me with his, his righteousness. righteousness. And, 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 and then for many of us tonight, right now, in this very moment, Jesus is calling us tonight, just like he called Peter and he called Andrew, saying, follow me. He's saying, follow me. Let me implant my righteousness into you. Let me give you something spiritual to flex that would glorify me through my witnesses, through what I'm doing in, in your life. And, and, and maybe you need to see tonight that God's got a plan for you. He's got a hope. He's got a future, Jeremiah says. He's got that for you. But you need to trust in him. Maybe you're seeing now that you've got nothing to flex. And he's saying, but let me fill you. Why don't you turn to me? Why don't you follow me? Why don't you let me sit on the throne of your life. Let me be your master. Let me be your, your Lord. Maybe you need to see that your vision for your life is flawed, but his vision for your life is, is perfect. Peter probably didn't have a great vision for his life, but, but Jesus 
had a phenomenal vision for his life, and, and it was incredible. And I would call some of us tonight, maybe we just need to say yes to the Lord tonight. We need to say yes. I realize I've fallen short, and I want to say yes to you. Now, some of the professing Christians in the room tonight, you need to be reminded that Peter did not earn God's favor, right? He didn't earn his favor by his actions. He was wishy-washy beforehand. And guess what? It's also not how we kept God's favor, <laughs> by performance. And, and maybe you need to be reminded of that because you come in here tonight and you know you've, you've given your life to Jesus. You know that he's implanted his righteousness in you, but you're, you've been astray. And you need to be reminded that your performance doesn't keep God's favor, that he still is blessing you. His hand is still on your life. You just need to come back to him. You need to deal with that sin. You need to confess that sin. And think through Peter's life. He was ridiculous at times, wasn't he? I mean, he was, at one point he was so, I mean, he does incredible things for the Lord, walks on water. But at one point, he's so messed up that what does Jesus turn and say to him? He says, get behind me, Satan. He calls him Satan, right? He's messed up. But but guess what? Jesus keeps moving Peter forward, doesn't he? He keeps helping him back up. He keeps helping him and grow, and, and Christians, you're going you're gonna to mess up, you're going to fail, but God's got a plan for your life, it's, it's not messed up, you're not messing up his plan, you just need to keep coming back to him, you need to keep, you need to keep beholding him, and, and seeing that he's, he's, got, he's got good plans for you, and you need to lean on those, and you need to um, realize that, that you're not dejected, right, his righteousness is in you, and you can stand, and you can press forward, and he's got a vision for your life. Now, one thing we'll close with this. Remember, this all started, this all started when, when John the baptizer said, behold, right? He said, behold the Lamb of, of God. So what this whole series has been about is that we are called to behold the Lord. That we are to look upon the Lord, that we are to get as many glimpses of Him as we possibly can. Uh, primarily, in his word, but then his word will point us, as we, we saw last week, to his works. Maybe you can look in your own life, and you can start to see that his works in your life, the things he's done in your life, and you can behold what he's done, and then you can behold uh, his, his witnesses, and you can behold uh, what, what he's done. And uh, understand that any of this morality that you can muster up, right, you can try to be good, just it's it's not it's not going to count it's not going to stand up in the end right if you're if you're you're mustering up morality apart from the lord apart from beholding him what what you're really doing is is like somebody in the neighborhood who puts a coat of paint on their house makes it look good there's a lot of great landscaping but the interior is falling apart the the foundation is falling apart it's just like we're covering up corruption with our morality we just try to be good. It doesn't do anything. Maybe your neighbors look and say, you got it together, right? But it, does that mean anything if your foundation is messed up, if your house is crumbling? No. Likewise, we have to behold the Lord. And as we see him, he changes us, right? Like, like the, the most difficult passage for me to ever try to preach on is the fruit of the Spirit, <laughs> How can I possibly preach on the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How do I preach on those? Because they're the, they're the fruit of the Spirit. I can't stand up here and say, go do those things. 
It's what God does in you. Likewise, you want life transformation. Don't, don't just pile up morality. Go to Jesus. Look at Jesus. Behold Him. And He does the work He does the work in you. And so I'll close with that. Some of you tonight, you need to call out to Jesus for the first time. I encourage you to do that as we, we pray in this moment. Others of you, you need to ask Jesus as a Christian, you need to ask Jesus to realign your eyes to His vision for your life. And so let's pray.